Welcome back to the show, guys. This is Reconcinimation, your podcast that looks back at our favorite films from the 70s, 80s, and 90s. I'm John Diner, and we have live via satellite... David Munchak. There he is. He's uh, calling in from beyond today. Yeah, beyond? Beyond. I'm yeah. in an undisclosed location, so if I sound weird, that's why. Not, or if I sound more weird? Well, we all know that the... <laughs> The sound from undisclosed locations is altered usually. Yeah. It's hard to get the sound waves from there mm-hmm. through the earth. Yeah. <laughs> so if I sound just different, it's uh it's it's the it's undisclosed. my it's my undisclosed location. <laughs> yeah. But uh you, I hope this is working. You yeah. can hear me, right? Oh, uh, we can we can hear you I'm loud not, and clear. I'm not on satellite delay. No. Like There's the no echo. You're right. good. Okay. Uh, but we also have a very, very special guest. It's so, I'm so excited. It's huh? such a, a great day because it's our very first special guest. Oh, my gosh. It's our executive vice president of historical accuracy, <laughs> Lindsay Nelson. Welcome to the show, Lindsay. Hello. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. And we're counting on you because uh, anything we get wrong, that's your job here at Recon Cinema Studios to just uh, steer us back on the, the correct path. Do I get a buzzer or a bell? <laughs> Every well, time we say something stupid, just yeah. go, eh. <laughs> it also is connected to me and it zaps me every time. <laughs> so uh, uh, a bunch of previous shows, I have wounds. I'm disappointed we have a guest in the studio and I'm not there. I know it's so such a, this sucks. Such a bummer. Uh, I guess are you are you sitting in my chair? Is it are you are you sitting in the guest chair? Is it is it the one that looks like a big throne with the with the knives and swords <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> that, that throne okay. yes david's yeah. okay he likes to be uncomfortable for the show to keep him on edge at all times yeah that, there's probably that an sense. odd odor too because i need to i need to make sure i don't i'm not comfortable in any way mm-hmm. so it's cold uh uncomfortable sure. sit in smells bad um, and vibrates a little. Yeah. All right. Like, yeah. Sure. That's just, the one I'm sitting in. Man. So. Sis- Siskel and Ebert did the same thing. It's fine. It keeps you on your toes. <laughs> uh, but we are here. We're going to take a look back at. We're going to dial way back to 1995. Way back. Oof, way back. You know, but it doesn't feel way back to me. But it kind of is. Yeah. I mean, you. You tend to. <laughs> always kind of think of time having stopped it. What year did time stop for you? What year? Uh, 2001. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, there we are. so, so six there. years ago, Clueless <laughs> came out. <laughs> exactly. So it's pretty new. Yeah, it's, it's hard to say that this is, it's like, oh, the 90s were 20 years ago. and it, but, mm-hmm. but it seems like they were a lot closer than that. Right? Yeah. And this yeah. movie's almost 25 years old. 24, I guess. We don't refer to it like that. <laughs> no? We refer to it as Alicia's movie, you know. Alicia's <laughs> movie. <laughs> uh, or the first time we saw Paul Rudd, besides that Game Genie commercial. Yeah, Paul yeah. Rudd. Whew, Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd. Let's Whatever just, happened. Let's just do a whole Paul Rudd episode when we get time. There'd only be like two or three things on there. It's what? This and then... Uh, yeah, that uh, Halloween six and then Friends. Yeah, that guest shot on Friends. He was great. Yeah, yeah was we that, never heard but from him after. Was that in? Was that still '90s when he was on Friends? Was it still the '90s? I can't remember. No, he when. came uh, in. All, he came in the last season or last two, and it was yeah, it was close. Which to was the 2000. End of the oh yeah, so I guess that's disqualified. So 2003, 2004. Yeah. Oh well, what could have been, Paul? What could have been? Mm-hmm. If only you could have reached for the stars and grabbed a it. little sooner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, but clueless. So, uh, what guys? What was the? Uh, what's your first memories of of uh, Amy Heckerling's Clueless? 
Hmm. Um, I don't. I, I honestly don't remember the first time I saw it. I saw this movie a, f- a few times, though. Like right after, I don't think I saw it in theaters. I'm sure it was a uh, a group uh, rental or an uh, HBO. So the gang got together and you like, rented a video. We and, rented one or two videos, yeah. probably something with a lot of guns, and then like. <laughs> Like, always two movies. Yeah, like, one girl who was like, no, we have to rent this one, too. (laughs) No, I don't know. I I honestly, (laughs) there were, I have no, I honestly have no clue when I saw, I am quite clueless. You were clueless. (laughs) On the first time, but I, but it's become a a beloved thing for me. I really, I really like this movie. Yeah. So I'm just going to say a top, great movie, watch it with your friends, or don't. You're going to love it. Well, now they don't have to listen to the rest of the show. Yeah, no. That was a good five minute episode. The the verdict is in. Uh, Lindsay, what about you? When was the first time you saw um, Clueless? I, I can't quite put my finger on when I saw it, but I do recall it being influential in the first half of high school. Like mm-hmm. I remember that we we all wanted to dress in a slightly toned down version of you know how Cher and her friends would dress. I mean, none of us were quite brave enough to go all the way with the Cher look, but you didn't go full Cher. No. <laughs> <laughs> Like a half share. A half um, share. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You just went with the plaid jacket. And that's not the plaid. Yeah. Well, I remember like the thigh high stockings were, and Mary Jane, was, like the yeah. chunky Mary Jane shoes yeah. and the, you know, and the little plaid pleated skirt thing was definitely those parts of it. But the, the bright colors were probably a little too much for your average, you know, Colorado girl. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, but. Yeah, so I remember uh, loving the clothes I, and loving the story, and um, but I can't I can't recall whether I saw it in the theaters or not. But I don't feel like I was so far behind the curve on this movie. Yeah, because if you had seen it, if you waited for video, it would have been out. I yeah, I probably should look up exactly when it came out, but very much towards the end of '95 or early '96. Yeah. Well, I mean, didn't it take movies like ten years well, to come out on video back then? About ten years, about a decade. It came out in 2005. It, yeah. Top Gun, and when it came out in '96, was huge. <laughs> um, no, it took about you know four four to six months, depending okay. on how how fast they mm-hmm. wanted to do it. So I did probably then rent this one because I I feel like I remember it being. More of my sophomore year of high school that this mm-hmm. that this was sort of influential on folks did you, at the time. Did you make it a blockbuster night? Uh, <laughs> almost certainly. Yeah? yeah? Not a local mom and pop? We did. Um, but I'm going to guess this one came from Blockbuster. Yeah. You know, when we you pulled out the big guns, you had to go to Blockbuster. Yeah. If you wanted, like, random whatever, you'd walk to the, the corner place. And, yeah. Did you say... Wow, what a difference. Every time I walk in. Every time. <laughs> um, I did see this one in the theater. I remember that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I saw it with my friend Justin. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this was an odd movie for... I, I felt like it was an odd movie for like, two was guys. was something sold out? It, it must have. I know we like made an attempt to see Crimson Tide. And I think maybe I wasn't... That was rated R, so I couldn't get into that. So uh, the next, I think the next movie that was showing was Clueless. So we're like, okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, I liked it. I, I've gone up and down with this movie. Like, I really enjoyed it when I saw it in the theaters. And then by the time it hit video, I bought it, got it on v- VHS. It was in my collection. You bought it. I you, did. Paid, you paid cash money for this. 
I don't know if I paid cash money, but <laughs> it became a part of my collection. How else would you buy it? Yeah, buy is one word. Oh, you, you, oh, that's oh, that's right. I forget when you say when you buy movies or when you add movies to your collection. That doesn't mean you're making purchases. <laughs> but we don't talk about. I that. always forget that. You were thinking. there's a statute of limitations. Uh, well, you might want to check that out before we go into <clears throat> um, that too much. Anyway, uh, it was in my collection, and by the time it hit video, I had kind of like turned around on the movie and was just kind of embarrassed by it. And what? I don't know. I just like I was. I, there was something about like it was pro- probably an issue with myself being uncomfortable with myself that I couldn't, you know, I couldn't accept these characters even though they were like extreme versions of teens. It was just yeah. it seems silly to me. So hmm. uh, now it was a bit a bit of a different story. So I see. Do you, what, how where was your where was Justin on this whole thing? I think he loved it. He was like I think two years older than me. Oh, so, okay. Yeah. 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 But you got a little self-conscious about being like a teen person, and yeah. these like it, the seemingly like valley girl-esque type people. Yeah, like was it too feminine? Too feminine for yeah, you? Yeah, probably. Uh, yeah, that's, yeah. A, that's a movie for girls, by girls kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, and and also you know the town I grew up in, Somers. It's all men. There's I don't no, think yeah. this there's was no women. Really <laughs> that, it was not really cool to like this movie. It was very much. We've talked about it. Yeah, Jock Town, and you know. Mm-hmm. This yeah. was this wouldn't have fit in with that, right? Jocktown. Jocktown. <laughs> Off the top of your head, can anybody think of a teen movie, an early '90s teen movie beside that was before this? I like in between the John Hughes, the ending of the John Hughes era. When was Ten Things I Hate About You? 1999. Oh, yeah. okay. You rattle um, them off, and I'll tell you what year. Ooh. And I can. All right. Uh, <laughs> oh, okay. What about like the the Scream movies? Ninety six. Okay. Um... Pretty in Pink. Is <laughs> <laughs> that a nineties? Is that John Hughes? Eighty six. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, you can't I'm, do it. I'm, right? Yeah. Well, and I'm not really yeah, of that type. So yeah. there really there was really a gap between the. This is how important this movie is. It's the it's kind of the relaunching of the teen, the teen movie, um, and this is a great movie to do it on because it's so strong. It's such a strong story, uh, such good performances, a great director, and uh, you know the John Hughes era, the '80s era was long over, um, and he had he had John Hughes had pretty much moved uh, moved away from directing and away from you know the the stories that were kind of close to his heart uh and no one really took up that mantle um after he had stopped doing it mm-hmm. and this was sort of bring bring it back to the teenage movie because after this then you have a whole slew of movies including scream and 10 things i hate about you and and uh, she's all that she's all that and a whole a whole slew of them through the you know late 90s into the early 2000s before it kind of changes again but yeah uh, this is a really, really important movie for that reason. Hmm. Teen films were back. They're back. Well, because it wasn't like a, they weren't marketable, or you know, they weren't. There just weren't any teenagers between 1986 <laughs> yeah. and 1995. They aged out. Yeah, they stopped going. Yeah, there's a gap, right? <laughs> yeah, we all know that. The gap of 90. The great gap. Four. <laughs> the great. The great gap. <laughs> the great gap. <laughs> the great. Uh, Historically accurate. You know, that's what she's here for. Yeah. 
Um, so yeah, so you mentioned uh, Amy Heckerling is kind of the the you know person behind the uh, genesis of this movie. She was a uh, NYU grad who moved to L.A. in the late 70s, was kind of connected with Martin Brest, who is a director that we, we looked at on our Midnight Run episode back right. in year one. Yes. Year, Way back in year one. Year one of, of Reconcinimation. Which you can find in the archives, www.reconcinimation.com. All episodes are available as of this For recording. immediate download. <laughs> Uh, but she always had a strong uh, voice for the, the female perspective, the female point of view. Um, her first film was, was called Getting It Over With. And I don't know if have you guys ever seen that? The no. first about a girl who wanted to lose her virginity by the time she hit her 20th birthday. Uh, so it's kind of like okay. one night in the, this girl's life. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, all of her most important films all kind of had to do you know were from the female point of view and were an important voice for them Mm -hmm. at a time where you didn't get that voice very often Mm -hmm. so it's you know rare to find somebody who kind of sticks out and uh you know does it so well with the movies that she made Mm -hmm. well i just like there's always a uh there's such a, a nice joyful wit about everything she she does like there's just it's it's all optimistic and playful and uh you know you can have like sort of serious characters but this is a uh, um i don't know fun way to look at the like serious things they're dealing with or whatever so, yeah. yeah i don't know like i i like that about this movie and, and her others yeah like if i'm looking at just at uh fast times and and this because i think those are the only ones i'm familiar with i think she has a keen sense of irony um yeah which i think is a especially if you're doing this kind of adaptation, that's uh, very important. She, just giving a little bit of her backstory before we talk about Clueless itself, she um, you know, decided to come out to L.A., give it a, give it a shot, try and get in showbiz. She sure. actually got into voiceover work and like post-production was where she kind of started. Wow. Like she did voiceovers? She... Or she did production for voiceovers? I, I, I'm not clear if she actually... I don't think she random. did voiceovers. Okay. I think she like worked for a post company that was doing... Okay. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, so she got her foot, in, her foot in the door there. Then by that point, her film was kind of screening, getting it over with, was screening around and getting viewed by a lot of a lot of people a lot of you know powerful executives were kind of were able to see it and actually universal approached her about doing a movie they wanted to work with her uh and they signed her to make fast times at ridgemont high which was a a super important uh film in the early 80s um We'll talk about fast times. Well, let's talk about fast times right now. I mean, before we get, we won't get into mm-hmm. huge detail in case we cover that on its own. I episode. Would hope that you will at some point. That's a That's iconic it. piece. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, what about it? <laughs> <laughs> it's great. Uh-huh. It's a lot of fun. Yep. But it's another. You know, it's similar to Clueless in that it's uh, taking the teenage voice, and even though it's a well, it's comedy, also you but, your Southern California, Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. You know, although Fast Times kids would have been the ones that Cher and her crowd would be making fun of, probably because they live in yeah. the valley. But yeah, yeah this, a same, a similar kind of um, snapshot of a specific slice of Americana, if you will. That yeah, you've got yeah, 
Yeah, and kind of launched a lot of people's careers out of that movie. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. Sean Penn obviously is the the biggest name coming out of that. I mean, that's his when it's fine we talked a lot about him at the at close range episode back in year 1 mm-hmm. um where he starts by doing this comedy, you know, ultimately it is a comedy and his character is one of the more comedic sides of it and then immediately turns around and you know does heavy heavy dramas one mm-hmm. one after another after that yeah he he was always trying to be an artist yeah uh, kind of thing so it is funny that that like this iconic role of his isn't i mean there's obviously an art to it but it's yeah. he's obviously more drawn to the dramatic yeah and that's what, like her the reason she was attracted to him he was in for casting and she saw him in the hallway and she knew like right by looking at him and how intense he was just in the like mm-hmm. in the waiting room that that was the guy mm-hmm. and then he could flip it around and just be yeah because even though that's like a totally um silly character i feel like you can tell that sean penn's taking it seriously in his approach to it that he's not he's not phoning it in absolutely and that's why it works so well Mm -hmm. yeah uh jennifer jason lee came out of that uh phoebe cates Mm -hmm. judge reinhold never forget the judge Uh, so and you know and and that uh, of course written by Cameron Crowe, um, you know based on his story, uh, so a lot of big big names involved with that one, so that's a big success for her. It leads to which I had forgotten that she directed European Vacation. Mm-hmm. She directed. She that. directed European Vacation. That's right. Mm-hmm. Which you know again was not the hit that I think they wanted but it was it was still a big hit it was you know chevy was at the height of his career still yeah um yeah i don't think she was really that connected personally connected to that you can tell directors when they're really uh connected to their to the film they're working on Mm -hmm. it's you know while that was funny it didn't really speak to you know her as a human really Mm-hmm. Um, Johnny Dangerously was after that. Yeah, I think your flip flop. Oh, did I flip flop? Johnny, Johnny Dangerously, Dangerously came first. Yeah. Next. So it's like she's doing, she's directing these comedies, mm-hmm. and with her, I don't know, her style. And I, I love Johnny Dangerously. Yeah. I mean, I, I've been. I, I don't know when we'll ever cover it. We will, I'm sure. But uh, well, definitely. But uh, well, you pitched that a while ago. You I think I did. Johnny. Yeah, I was like, they should do Johnny Dangerously, but. Um, I just love that movie, and then yeah. So then, giving her sort of a and then going to like a National Lampoon's movie was like, she's obviously successful. Her star's rising, and they're sort of giving her a franchise kind of movie. You know, like yeah. all right, here's the big sequel. It's the Chevy Chase thing. Like it's gonna be this big thing, and then um, you know, yeah, not a huge hit, but it yeah. was, I think it was a, enough. Well, and Johnny Dangerously is is pretty highly respected and looked back on, but um, yeah. you know, audiences kind of missed. The, I think they missed the joke, and and she said that if you didn't know those those movies, that it was kind of spoofing. Like yeah. it was trying to do what Airplane did. Yeah, yeah. For a very specific genre, yeah. that old gangster film. So if you weren't familiar with those old gangster films, it wasn't um, for a mass audience. It, yeah. There wasn't a lot to like connect to. Yeah, like you, Airplane works on its own. You didn't have to know it was a spoof. Yeah, of like that, uh, you know, where they ripped dialogue directly from the movie. Oh yeah, you know, same exact plot. But well, an airplane also followed those movies. You know, those movies were still being made when Airplane came out, whereas, yeah. you know, those gangster movies that had been gone for a long time. That style of gangster movie. Yeah. 
So yeah, what a lot of what, what a great bunch of films in her. Well, in and her... then she does the Look Who's Talking movies. Yeah, huge hits. Huge hits. I love Look Who's Talking. Saw that in the theater. What about Look Who's Talking now? I don't see now. I didn't see now. That's the third one, right? Yeah, yeah. I saw two. Yeah. I never saw T-O-O. that. T-O-O. T-O-O. <laughs> Just look who's talking. The, the best sequels have T-O-O. <laughs> yeah. Teen Wolf 2. <laughs> yeah. Mannequin 2? Is that, <laughs> is that one? Mannequin 2. Um, yeah. Arthur 2? Arthur 2 on the rocks. <laughs> oh, it's but I think that's a number 2. It's I think, just Arthur 2, yeah. yeah. I don't think it's Mannequin 2, like T-O-O. With, a, then with a question mark. <laughs> mannequin 2? Mannequin? <laughs> like, the they're just as bewildered as we are why they made that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Look Who's Talking, a huge hit movie. So she's done like a lot of big movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's sort of a, you know, I think, uh, not, a, not necessarily a creative gap, but she's doing... She's pretty much just doing the look who's talking stuff through the early 90s, um, at least as far as what's, you know, been nationally known. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think she's getting those are more of studio films, especially the sequels are, you know, that's not coming from a real creative genesis. Uh, so by the time she starts coming up with this story and she was, you know, originally came up with the share character and you know, was very, uh, wanted to see it as a TV series and thought it would be interesting to watch this girl, you know, over a long course of time. Uh, but then I think she, um, you know, saw, also could see it maybe working better as a feature and just putting it all into one cohesive story. Yeah, well, I think, wasn't it, it was his agent or somebody, sort of, or her agent, excuse me, uh, that sort of, um, like, because it was, it was hard to pitch that series around, but then, her people kind of yeah. saw that like you can make you can make this a film like this could be a film yeah it was because de- it was being developed with like fox at first well she had pitched it she'd pitched it around As she pitched series. it to fox she pitched it to sony yeah. both you know saw had no interest in it you know and and again at the time the teen movie wasn't there wasn't it wasn't bankable mm-hmm. um there weren't you know there weren't a plethora of teens all the teen stars had grown up and they hadn't replace them with anybody you know you had macaulay culkin but he wasn't a really a, yeah at this point was he a teen he wasn't really a teen yet well if he was maybe technically teen. a teen he wasn't he wasn't like portraying teenage. one would be my guess yeah because kevin he was still... not he's nine in home alone right first home alone which was 90 right so oh. he'd be 14 here mm-hmm. but yeah. he was still playing like his movies you know he's still playing younger yeah, probably. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. your Corys were all grown up by this point. Oh, the Corys. Mm-hmm. Emilio was like a dad. He had gone Emilio. from teen to dad. <laughs> <laughs> like St. Yeah. Like Elmo's Fire that's reserved for ducks. women. <laughs> yeah. Go from playing someone's girlfriend one year to their mom the next year. But yeah, 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 yeah. that's a... <laughs> so it's time for, time for some new talent, some yeah. fresh faces, some new stories. Um. Yeah, and uh, luckily she, you know, she was having a hard time getting this, this, the pitch kind of uh, a studio latching onto it, and she ended up coming across Scott, a producer by the name of Scott Rudin, who's a mega, mega producer, like mega Joel producer. Silver level, uh, who was what was he, Lindsay? He was a he was in theater, right? Uh, yeah, he did. He was on Broadway. I think he was a director. 
I, no, I thought I they think said he was a casting. A... He's a casting director. I think. Huh. Okay. Um, who had you know finally moved out of theater and started producing films, lots of big movies. Uh, he did the Adams Family movies, the Sister Act movies, The Firm, Nobody's Fool. Those were all kind of like Dang. the ones he had. Uh, and I mentioned Nobody's Fool because it's Paul Newman, so mm-hmm. just gotta work gotcha. that one yeah, in there. Of course. Mm-hmm. Those were the movies he had done like right leading up to this. Uh, and he was the one who helped sell the film to Paramount, mm-hmm. which was uh, so we could start moving forward. Once, yeah, well, I think once, yeah, once he got on board, it was like, if if Rudin says it's good, let's yeah. go. Right? Well, it was the movie was in something called Turnaround, which is mm-hmm. like kind of a death sentence for a lot of scripts. Mm-hmm. That the studio owns it, but they're not going to do anything with it, so it's kind of just sitting there, frozen. Mm-hmm. And, you know, no matter how much the project means to you personally, like it's it's literally stuck there. And sometimes you can be, you know, even making money off of it. You know, you're getting paid to write, you know, continue working on it. Mm -hmm. But like nothing's moving forward. Mm -hmm. So he and it's hard to get a movie out of that position. Mm -hmm. It's like quicksand. Mm -hmm. It's the it's showbiz is quicksand. She's turned around. (laughs) It's like in Indiana Jones when they put the artifact was it the was it the ark? I'm I know I'm bad for mixing up my, but the, you know they put it in the vault like that basement full of artifacts yeah, and at the end yeah, yeah where you just you think it's really important but then you say like oh yeah there's all this other exactly yeah uh, I, I thought the analogy was going to be when their faces got melted off oh like yeah this, I'm like, where is this they going? looked at it yeah <laughs> the script was that good spirits flying around yeah yeah that's what happened that's turnaround. <laughs> that's <laughs> Uh, but no, so Scott Rudin helped get that out, and it was cool. and really like he, Scott Rudin was a great producer for this film because he helped open the door for for Amy, and then let her go through it and carry the movie, and he didn't, you know, force his masculine voice like onto the picture. Yeah, because that was one of the holdups with the other studios. Was, yeah. what you want three three girls? You want us to put on a movie with three girls like that? They did not see yeah. that that would be a saleable movie. So. Yeah, they were. Yeah, they wanted. They wanted they more want guys some bros in there. Yeah, yeah. some guys. Not just in there. They, I think they wanted their face, like face on the poster. Like yeah, they, they were supposed to be a central focus. Like they didn't. They didn't think a movie without dudes. Well, like I'm, a movie with three girls on the poster was never going to sell. Is what they. Yeah. Hollywood's, you know the way they look at movies is how, how can you market it? You know, how, what, how many quadrants? Will well, and especially fit? when you have like all guys sitting at the table looking and thinking like, what would I go see? You know? Um, yeah. So I, yeah, they uh, probably weren't drawing from experience outside themselves mm-hmm. when they were making that kind of decision. So especially too, cause at the time there, there weren't a plethora of young female actresses either that were, you know, of that age that could be in this. So, you know, if it's guys who are, or mostly guys who are the executives who are going to have to sell the movie, um, you know, and they look around and there's not that young female star that they could, Oh, let's, you know, make this their vehicle. You know, that wasn't that that would change, you know, after this movie. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, so uh, thankfully, it uh, Amy was able to kind of stick to her guns and mm-hmm. and make the film the way she wanted to make it. Mm-hmm. Um, she, you know, and we should talk about we should talk about 
what she subconsciously based it on. Which I don't know. Well, it was how only obvious. subconscious at first. At first, yeah. <laughs> but there's nothing subconscious about about it's it's pretty much a one for one Emma adaptation. I mean, you can take almost all the action of Emma, basically every character, and you can find it's. You're talking um, about J- Jane Austen's Emma. Jane Austen's Emma. Oh, right. I mean, is there is there another Emma? I don't... Well, there's people named Emma, but. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It's, it's many refer to it as the perfect novel. It's uh, it's gone down in history. I mean, she wrote it in the early 1800s, and it's just as popular now, if not more popular now, than it was when she uh, when it was first published. So, and what can you for anyone listening who maybe isn't familiar with Emma? Can you like kind of do a quick like summary what the plot is? Um, I, I'll try to make it quick. Yeah. I happen to be a huge fan of Jane Austen, so sometimes I get carried away. Um, Carrie. So Carrie. this is, it's an interesting novel for Jane Austen because it's her only heroine who ha- has the real option of not getting married in her life. Um, and she's, she's set up financially. She enjoys caring for her curmudgeonly father. And uh, she has a tight-knit family and community, and she's enjoying herself. And... Um, so she, she decides she's wants to get into matchmaking. She's successfully, in her mind, makes a match between her governess and a widower who lives in the community. And um, so she thinks that she's really good at it. So a kind of a young woman comes into her circle who is of unknown parentage, which is kind of a shockingly oh. scandalous sort of thing at the time. Scandal. Scandalous, yes. Um, so she decides that she's going to take this young woman under her wing and help improve her and help make a good match for her. Um, so that because really the only option this young lady has for security in her future is to be married. So so she goes about helping her get better at all of the accomplishments that young women of the time were supposed to have. Um, better at dancing, better at drawing, better at needlepoint, better at reading, all those kinds of things, and um, tries a series of ways of, you know, unsuccessful matches for her. Um, And then during the course of the novel, she discovers in her own heart that she has fallen in love and... um, With? With who? Oh, don't spoil it. Well... (laughs) One of the potential suitors. In the book or in the movie, yes. Uh, So she, she ends up falling in love and deciding to get married even though it wasn't a necessary move for her in her life so yeah she had that choice yes well the choice and then she found herself in love Mm -hmm. and what do you do you marry that person Mm -hmm. right that's right it's a it's a you uh, you get a an age-old tale you get a timeless tale (laughs) (laughs) but like a tale is time what no (laughs) a tale as old as time that's what I mean well, that's 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 basically the story of Clueless, uh, you mm-hmm. know, not, like the it's just the the beats of it, not mm-hmm. not exactly the details, but the mm-hmm. what well, what Cher is all about mm-hmm. sort yeah. of in her life and her moment. And I think in, I think a lot of the details are actually pretty pretty close, wouldn't you say? Yeah, the, yeah, very very much so. The characters um, are pretty like on par with yes. each other. Yeah, I think that um, in the novel, it's one thing I both love and feel confused about with Clueless is it's hard to tell how smart Cher really is. She has an amazing vocabulary and she 
uses these beautiful big words throughout the whole film. And I love that part about her. But um, there's, and both Emma and Cher are naive a little bit um, about the kind of street smarts, I guess. They don't have so much. Um, but but Cher's also comes off a little airheaded um, in ways Certain that, times, yeah. yeah. And it's supposed to be kind of endearing. I think you're supposed to assume that a Southern California LA girl would be that way. So, yeah. but I don't, I don't see that so much in the character of Emma. So that part is not maybe quite as much of a equivalency, mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah. Was there any other, I'm, I'm, you know, better than me. Was this kind of the first screen interpretation of, of an Emma story? Well, the BBC certainly had done um, stuff, but yeah, it's... Uh, Let's just say an, Ameri- mm-hmm. an American film. That's a good question. I know in the 30s, uh, there were a few Jane Austen film adaptations, like there was an old school Pride and Prejudice. Mm-hmm. Um, I I don't recall if Emma was done at that time. I can't I can't think of any off the top of my head that yeah of a of a previous adaptation of it. So this is kind of the first that's so really as far as film goes, this is a completely Mm -hmm. fresh idea. And they never marketed it that way. It was kind of one of those things that you were left to discover on your own. I think even for me, it sort of dawned on me later. um, And there's actually been quite a few, both with you see that with Shakespeare with Jane Austen Mm -hmm. movies that take those stories and they don't say it on the poster like we're redoing this story but um it kind of dawns on you after watching yeah. it that you've seen the same story it definitely before. isn't obvious and even you know uh, you i mean obviously you have to know jane austen a little bit have to be familiar with emma to pick mm-hmm. up on the the similarities mm-hmm. um which i wasn't until we met i didn't know much about jane austen <laughs> so uh yeah that was that was a surprise to me sorry would you say you're now with uh, with Lindsay's help, you're you're well versed in the the Jane Austen verse kind of. I'm uh, more versed. I'm, I'm, <laughs> more, I'm more versed. Okay, yeah. got it. Right. Um, okay, cool. Yeah. So Emma, there it is. Mm-hmm. We just yeah. we said it. Now it's public. Well, well, they were they were trying to hide it, and now we just millions of people now know. We the just secret. gave you a light bulb. There's your aha moment. <laughs> I mean, that's not really a selling point, right? Like, based on the acclaimed <laughs> Jane Austen novel, Emma comes yeah. clueless, and then you yeah. do then it's just the trailer of Clueless. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, had the the Jane Austen. Well, Sense and Sensibility. But Emma Thompson's Sense and Sensibility was. Was that ninety four? Is it either ninety four or ninety? No, Ooh, it's ninety six. I thought it was ninety six, but it's I could 96. be wrong. So um, the, yeah, this was right before they did. They started mm-hmm. doing her movies, mm-hmm. Pride and Prejudice, Sense and Sensibility, mm-hmm. and and Emma. Yeah, Pride and Prejudice. The I believe you're referring to the BBC A and E miniseries. Yeah, the, yeah. Um, that that was in the that was 99 or even yeah. later than that. I can't. I don't. I'm not great with the dates of when that stuff comes out. But um, yeah, I think that that. May, perhaps maybe there was some sort of connection between this movie coming out and a little bit of a, you know, resurgence feel, of Jane Austen. It feels like it to me. I mean, you know, not not publicly, but like mm-hmm. maybe from the studio executive side, mm-hmm. they kind of realized they could tap into, you know, an audience, whether it's, you know, doing straight adaptations of that or, or modernizing it. Mm-hmm. 
So there you go. Jane Austen knew what she was doing. She could write a hell of a story. (laughs) Well, and, you know, Amy Heckerling knew what she was doing, taking such a classic tale and finding a way to make it relevant to the youth of today and preserving Jane Austen's irony and wit. um, Because that's, I feel like that might be the hardest thing to translate into a new representation of Mm -hmm. it. And I think she did a great job. And, you know, part of it, part of what was so great about this movie and Fast Times is the work Amy put into being accurate and true to these teenagers. And she would go to, I think she went to Beverly Hills High and observed, which might look weird in today's climate. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Just someone watching teens. That's maybe where, like, being a female might have been handy for her. yeah. Um, but people are less likely to question like why is that 20 something woman sitting in the back of our classroom or... <laughs> why is that bald 44 year old dude <laughs> sitting there staring at these teenage girls yeah. taking notes? Uh... <laughs> notes pictures and he's got a trench coat <laughs> no like, poor trench coats <laughs> trench coats really took a hit <laughs> they really got a bad day. name it's not their fault yeah exactly first the yeah. flashers then yeah. some tragedies and you know, and those guys selling watches, like mm-hmm. swatches yeah. out of there. Your inspector gadgets, yeah. you know. He's fine. He's okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> He's on the other side of. What about that, Mister like McGruff, the crime dog, McGruff. too? Yeah. You know? yeah. Well, he gives a good name back to it. Yeah, yeah. you know. Yeah. McGruff and Inspector Gadget really had to. <laughs> really helps the reputation. Trench coats. You got it. the whole negative side, and then yeah, you, have, you just wave the McGruff flag and. Oh yeah. oh yeah! Oh yeah! They are good. Yeah. They're not creepy. <laughs> um, but yeah, so she's you know she she's going around to high schools. She's listening to teens, and and there's been some debate about how much of the verbiage from this movie uh, that she actually got from real teenagers, and how much was kind of created by her. Well, because yeah. yeah, it's very much a caricature, cartoonish, mm-hmm. heightened, yeah. comic booky version of. You know, they're the bright colors they're wearing, the extreme dialogue, um, or the words they use. Yeah, the well, and all the teens are in a category. Everyone's categorized. Mm-hmm. Uh, if yeah. you, you know, look at any of the scenes at either the parties or at the school itself. They're all they all fall into some category. Mm-hmm. None of them are just like average-looking teens that could fall into like a few different groups. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so she's trying to be faithful to that, to the that you know real life people, and uh, part of that uh, trying to achieve that was in the casting process. And obviously, your number one concern is getting a good share, getting the best share. Now, regular share, real share, not available for this movie. She couldn't do it. Yeah, she wasn't around. Well, and that's why. I mean, she was contracted to it. That's why the name is share. Then there was. <laughs> We can't talk about Cher what happened. In 1995 she... was going to play yeah. teenage. I, I, I would buy Cher. that. <laughs> yeah. Pretty sure it was like a falling out between her and Paul Rudd, right? It was they, probably, yeah, yeah, they were a couple. Yeah. So, of course, Paul Rudd got his way and Cher was out of the movie. Yeah. So. Uh, but no, Alicia Silverstone was not a household name at this point. Um, her career had pretty much just started. And she was mostly known at the time. Do you remember all the Aerosmith videos? Yeah. Mm-hmm. All of them? The two of them. She was in, <laughs> she was in the two. That's all you two, needed to see. Was it three? Was it two? Well, maybe three. Crying. 
right? Yep. Crazy. Crying, crazy. And amazing. Fa- uh, yeah, I don't know. They're yeah. all one word. That's all I remember. Was that one amazing? Crying, uh, crazy. I think I, so, yeah. I don't know. Uh, but those were huge videos. This was back in the kids. Any kids that are listening, there used to be a channel called MTV. There still is. Different there was MTV, only though. one back then. <laughs> and in they the played. Olden days. They played these things called music videos, which were a big deal. Do you remember, like when, like a world premiere music video was coming, and yeah. you like had to get in front of the TV at like eight oh two. There was no streaming of no. this nonsense. No. No. There's no YouTube. There's no, you can't watch it later. 802. No DVR even. Not even. Yeah. You, if you were lucky, you had a VHS that could record. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, that someone in your house had figured out how to make it work. Yeah. And that was not my house. <laughs> I set the timer on my VCR many, many times for all the shows I wanted to watch. Sometimes three times a day, different channels. Wow. You were like a tech whiz over yeah. there. Oh, man. Wow. I felt like a god. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Aerosmith was, yeah, crying. I guess it's still a huge band. Um, and they've been around since, what, the 1920s? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they were in their 50th year. I think they, they originated were... the Charleston. <laughs> uh, but they, you know, were, were, I think the 90s were like a comeback for Aerosmith. Because I know they were obviously big in the 70s. 80s, 80s, they were still too. around, but weren't, you know, there wasn't a peak well, time do, like, for them. Like love in an elevator and. Yeah. Yeah, I guess the the stuff with Run yeah. DMC too was. Aerosmith had sure. like been just different waves. Like they have yeah. their 70s sounds or 80s sounds mm-hmm. in their 90s, yeah. which were a lot of their stuff incorporated, like you know, incorporated into Armageddon and all the those three. Oh, so good. Those three Malicia mm-hmm. um, Silverstone videos were humongous. Yes. Yeah. So. Well, the, the early '90s was like a big come, you know. Uh, uh, they were coming back up, yeah, Aerosmith, yeah. and then that rode all the way through the '90s. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, she was the star of this young, attractive, blonde girl who was all over these videos, one after another, mm-hmm. and they were huge. Everyone was watching them, and and she didn't. Who is she? To my recollection, mm-hmm. like there, there's no dialogue in those videos. I don't recall any either. Those. Yeah, it was. It's all just like silent film acting sort yeah. of stuff like you're watching the story happen but there's no a lot of, a lot of hair fluff you know wasn't there some bungee jumping and like was. a belly button piercing happened yep. yeah. And... yeah the you're one... seeing some yeah. skin with her mm-hmm. you know there was it was very maybe a motorcycle yeah yeah i'm yeah. like having flashbacks yeah. Now. <laughs> yeah well i remember the one it looks like she jumps off a bridge like she's gonna kill herself but then mm-hmm. like, oh she's just hanging from a it's a bungee. Rope and she yeah. gives the finger like, that was kind of bungee jumping was kind of a thing at the time. Yeah. Do people still do that? Is that still a thing? Uh, I don't think so. It's zip lines and zip lines mm, and skydiving. Yeah. Sky, you know that skydiving thing. And now the indoor skydiving. Times have changed. Yeah. I can jump from the couch to the floor. That's about as far as my skydiving goes. <laughs> <laughs> All the way through the sky. <laughs> I don't know why you're jumping off the couch onto the floor. That's, okay. I want it, I want the rush. Oh, yeah. I do Are it for the yeah. rush. Jumping flat like you're landing. You're no, just landing, on my feet. Like Bali flopping onto the. No, I'm like the, standing on the couch oh. and I just jump, on, land on my feet on the ground. I see. But that you know instant of rush, you can't you can't compete with that. <laughs> it's such a rush. It. Yeah. Oh my god. It's uh, I live for it actually. <laughs> <laughs> 
So Alicia kind of comes out of nowhere as a big, a big star without you even really knowing her her name. Yeah, I feel like it was more like face recognition than name recognition. Well, and then for her. you, the, I remember like Entertainment Tonight before it was okay. ET when it was called Entertainment Tonight. You know, Mary Hart, John Tesh. Remember the, that gang? Oh, I was Fun too group. busy reading Jane Austen. <laughs> <laughs> but they would. They I remember them doing like a profile on her, and that was the first time I heard her name. Okay. And uh, and then she did a movie called The Crush, where she was right. yeah, Carrie Elwes. Yeah, yeah, isn't that like a stalker? Yes, stalker film. She's a young stalker, mm-hmm. stalking her te- teacher. Was it? I, I barely I, remember. I think a neighbor, neighbor, mm-hmm. teacher. Yeah, I saw yeah. that movie. Crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> Were you crying? It was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> ding 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 ding! <laughs> you guys get the award. Yay. <laughs> Um, and Amy Heckerling was, uh, you know, tuning into this stuff too, and and met with Alicia. Didn't audition her at all. Just knew right there, like as soon as she uh, met her, that that was it. That was Cher. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We had our share, but now, who do you pair her with? And this is a large yeah. cast too. That's the thing. There's so many people that she deals with directly. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. she's in every scene. It's her, it's her movie. Yeah, uh, and you know, characters pop in and out. They're not like, it's not like they all have their own storylines necessarily. They just like they're, some of them are very much side characters, but then matter for like a few minutes, and then and then just go back to the periphery. Yeah, um, pretty much everybody is the a prop for Emma slash shares mm. growth in the story. You know that it's mm. all about her. Uh, coming to terms with herself and learning, you know, her own heart, growing as a person. Mm. Yeah. So you need like the right, the right people that like that would be in her life and be these mm-hmm. characters and play off against her. Yeah. Right. Like, mm-hmm. well, she took something from every. Yeah, you're right. She takes something from every character to really become this fully formed. Mm-hmm. She more self-aware mm-hmm. at the end. Yeah. Yeah, and there's a you know, and there's a, a certain vibe and a chemistry that has to exist between all, this whole group, even though they're not necessarily all in every scene together. You know, she mm-hmm. she does come in like different groups of these characters, yeah. and a couple you know, a couple of times, many of them are together, but yeah. um, mm-hmm. I don't think until really the end that's the first time everyone's together. Right, mm-hmm. and. Uh, because I, I remember, I, I had always thought Paul Rudd was like barely in this movie. He's big, oh, okay. but watching it again now, mm-hmm. he's he's in quite a bit of it. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, I yeah. thought he, I had remembered him being much more of a secondary or tertiary. Ooh, very cool. good character. That, Words that count that one a day calendar is really <laughs> working for you. <laughs> it, it is. I can I can move on to tomorrow. Uh, but yeah, Paul, Paul Rudd, this is the first time we see him, really. I mean, again, I'll bring up that Game Genie commercial. Mm-hmm. Um, anybody should... Uh, you should link to that on your Twitter page. You know what, I will. Was, it, right. a, was it Game Genie or was it, was it, it, just, was a, or was it just a Nintendo commercial? Oh, okay, Nintendo. Uh, but I think it was Game you Genie. You might be right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but really amazing. I mean, if I, I had right, seen if I had seen that now, I would cast that guy in everything I do. Yeah. That's an amazing piece of work. Um, and then, of course, Halloween 6, one of the best Halloween movies. We all know that. Mm. Uh, you know, the incomparable... Um, what happens in that one? There's... oh Michael Myers kills a bunch of people. He kills a bunch of people. No. There's a cult that has created him and worships him like a god. And 
Paul Rudd plays um, the kid, the little boy from the first movie, grown All up, grown up. Hmm. who's like a, been obsessed with Michael the whole time, and he's kind of your kind of your hero character. Oh boy, yeah. All right. So well, I know what David's doing tonight. <laughs> watch video. Video tech is open for another couple hours. You could probably make it. Get over there. Get that Halloween <laughs> six. <laughs> you gotta get it. It's, it's mostly sold interns. out. It's fine. <laughs> Recon Cinemobile. They can take the, the Recon Cinemobile <laughs> over there. Uh, Stacy Dash, who was... Why did I just blank on her, the character's name? Dion. 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 Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, she was great in this movie. She's fantastic. She's great. She, it's, a, it's interesting because in the, they've kind of made her a stand-in for the character of the governess that um, Emma... In the story of Emma... The match she makes is between her governess and a widower nearby. So um, I feel like Stacey, Stacey Dash's character, Dion, kind of takes the place of the governess. She's a little bit guiding Cher and trying to give her advice here and there. And she's slightly more uh, mature in the worldly ways. And um, so I, I feel like that's what Stacey Dash's character does in this film. Yeah. And uh, she's so fun to watch, Yeah, I think, yeah. Yeah, and this is, as far as I know, this is Stacey Dash's, like, biggest mainstream movie. Uh, it's probably right, right? Yeah. I don't know. She did a lot of, like, I remember she her... She was a TV actress, wasn't she? Or... She was in TV stuff. She did a couple of, uh, we'll say, erotic thrillers, you know, oh. Cinemax oh. kind of movies. Oh, wow. Movies with the title, like illicit behavior things like that <laughs> not that specific yeah. movie but like that mm-hmm. um so of course you know as a young teenager i remember her from that mm-hmm. um but great to see her doing a mainstream movie here mm-hmm. and uh you know now she's off doing different things okay <laughs> i don't know much about her you can look her up okay we'll let's google it. her we'll keep it uh we'll keep politics off the air oh just political but, yeah uh just rattling off some of the other cast members. Uh, Brittany Murphy, of course, is her first mm-hmm. movie, and she had a pretty pretty solid career before an untimely uh, her untimely passing. Yeah. yeah. Yep. That was a shame. Yeah. Yeah, but, I think so. Mm-hmm. Geez, was that 10 years ago now, I think? 2009-ish? 2010? Uh, I her? thought it was mm-hmm. earlier than that. Take a look. Yeah. yeah. Look it up on the recomputer. 2009. Yeah. Oh, boy. 32 yeah, exactly. years old. Yeah, sad, sad story there, but yeah. but really great in this movie. Like, as, yeah. you know, coming in is that she's not a bubbly teenager, but she's she's free, a little bit free spirited and kind of unencumbered more, by societal expectations. You know, she doesn't, and she's naive and. Um, but she's naive, but she's also a little bit more worldly than Cher is. Because yes, she's, because she hasn't she hasn't lived the insular. Um, kind of socially elite life because uh, she's from like New Jersey or was yeah. yeah. she's from New Jersey New York, yeah so she's not coming from this you know posh sort of background so yeah yeah, yeah. Um, Donald Faison this is pre-scrubs yeah. Yeah. who went on to a great TV career yep he's great um, lots of fun he was somebody you kind of saw him all over the place like in the 90s and then mm-hmm. uh, the, but this was his first big like major role Mm -hmm. and uh, what's funny is Paul Rudd actually auditioned for that part 
because right. when Amy Heckerling wrote the movie, she saw his char- Donald Faison's character as a white guy who thought who was who thought he was black, or who uh, was who was appropriating, who yeah. was acting, black. acting, yeah, and, yeah, and didn't thought think, he was which, acting black, yeah. <laughs> which tons of white kids did. Oh yeah. And, <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, like, oh my so, god. Like, and still do. Still, yeah, yeah. yeah, of course. But I would have loved to see Paul Rudd's audition for this character. Ooh. I think that would be cringy. <laughs> probably. Mm, You're yeah. probably right. And there's a, probably a very good reason they didn't go that route. Yeah. <laughs> and it's funny to see Paul Rudd just circling back to him, like, being pretty much a straight man, because we're so used to the, like, you know, mm-hmm. that over-the-top, like, hilarious mm-hmm. version of Paul Rudd. And this is, <laughs> what? What? What do you mean, over-the-top? Yeah, I, I don't know that I would use the term over-the-top over either. The top, but, but super, like, a... Uh, Lots of goofiness happening, but yeah, you know, yeah. if you look at like "I Love You, Man," mm-hmm. like he's the straight man in that. Yeah, but he's really silly in that too. Yeah, yeah. you know, Jobin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's true. Like all yeah. that stuff. socially awkward. He's kind yeah. of socially awkward, mm-hmm. kind of bumbling sometimes, yeah. but uh, always charming. Mm-hmm. But like jo- Josh, his character is kind of that same way. He's like, you know, he's just a little bit older and he's a college mm-hmm. guy, but he's still kind of like. Kind of yeah. a doofus. As like, far as like yeah. social status, the yeah. only thing he has going for him is that he's a college student. Like right. if he were Cher's age, he would be that like, you know, the crowd who like hangs out in the library after school. Oh, yeah. And stuff yeah, like yeah. that. Yeah. I love one little thing about him. I mean, I love a lot of things about him, but we, he's always lecturing her about how to be a grown up. Mm-hmm. And then the scene where she like follows him into the kitchen and he makes a sandwich mm-hmm. and leaves everything wide open and like out on like <laughs> leaves the bread out leaves like the lids off everything and just yeah. walks away yeah <laughs> like, he's the big mature yeah guy. just a little i felt like that was probably intentional and a nice little like character subtle mm-hmm. character moment like, yeah like share burnt that roll of cookie dough later in later in the movie <laughs> and I, I i'm very concerned that she they, she opens the oven door, they look at it, and the oven just is on for the rest of the night, you suppose. They just leave. Like, <laughs> it always bothers me. She didn't actually turn the oven off. She didn't off. turn the oven it's off. It's like when they don't say goodbye in movies before they hang up the phone, yeah. you know? It's like, yeah, those little things just that just kind of like, keep you up at night, you yeah. know? Yeah. Like uh, uh, Ferris Bueller when Rooney mm-hmm. is washing off his his uh, his boot or his shoe, and then he just sticks the hose into the ground. I'm like... The water's just going to run now for days yeah. before anyone notices. What do you think caused that mud problem in the first place? <laughs> yeah, I'm like, like, oh, no. Mm-hmm. It's very upset. These Those little yeah. movie moments uh, upset me. The movies, yeah. are, they're over for you. <laughs> no, they're not over. You can't but recover. Just, they're just, yeah. just a little bit of an anxiety. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the other actors in the movie, Dan Hedaya, who plays her dad. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. Great. I mean, I grew up... Dan Hedaya was somebody who's in tons of movies. He's mm-hmm. kind of all over the place from, you know, as far reaching as Commando to Blood Simple to this. He's kind of like all over. I mean, he's in Usual Suspects. He's in mm-hmm. such a weird variety of movies. And sometimes he's the super villain. Sometimes he's like kind of a incompetent guy. He's in like Alien Resurrection. and and uh, But he's so great as her dad here. Mm-hmm. Like you don't. I don't know. He feels like he's got more, more of a, a character with heart. Yeah, yeah. Our dad's a, very much like a. Everyone, he's he's grumpy and kind of, you know, can be kind of unkind in his way. But everybody knows that really he's a softy. It's a. 
Well, just the fact that like his character still has a relationship with Josh, even though he's Mm -hmm. long divorced Josh's mom. Yeah. Yeah. And they were according to the script, which is becomes kind of important by the end of the movie. The, the small little fact that gets slipped in there that they were barely married at all. So yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> but he's yeah, kept you divorce, this real... You divorce wives, not children, right? That's what he says? Yeah. 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 That's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, but these, yeah, exactly. He's kept that relationship mm-hmm. going, and you can see he's a sweetheart. Gruff exterior, but sweetheart inside. Mm-hmm. Well, we see him the way... Like a Cadbury egg. <laughs> we see him the way Cher sees him, where, mm-hmm. like, all the other characters in the, all the lawyers, like, they don't... They don't know... They're scared of him, mm-hmm. yeah. right? Like, uh, the... Um, the maid or yeah. the housekeeper oh, yeah, is yeah. afraid of him. And you, I don't know, you, I don't even buy it that like they're afraid of him. It's just, uh, he doesn't seem that gruff, but I, I think we see him the way Cher sees him at all yeah. times. So yeah. yeah, yeah. Like she doesn't find him anything other than a big, you know, big softy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, and he'll always be Nick Tortelli from Cheers for me. Oh, of course. Yeah. Like that's, that's my main, if anytime I see him, I just think of him as Nick Tortelli. Yeah. Carla's husband. Sure. Because he's such a scumbag <laughs> in that role. And I think he only did like six episodes. Yeah, but I feel like... Memorable, though. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, let's bring him back. Let's cast him in some movies. Let's get Dan Day out He there. works. He's fine. Yeah. A um, couple of the other adults in the movie. Who could forget Wallace Shawn? I mean, classic. You know, he's Rex in the Toy Story movies. But more importantly, was his role in The Princess Bride. All right, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah iconic role yeah no one can forget it (laughs) no he's great in that um and it was cool to see him uh i I think at the time i I don't think i had seen him since princess bride oh really i mean he Mm -hmm. had done stuff but i don't think i had seen him uh in between those you know princess bride and clueless Mm -hmm. Mm. you weren't paying attention apparently not uh twink kaplan played miss miss geist Mm -hmm. but little known fact well known if you watch the credits, but otherwise little known. Uh, she was an associate producer on the film. She was, yeah. you know, I believe, partners with Amy Heckerling, and mm-hmm. and they were a team. So uh, cast her in the movie, and she's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's one of Cher's projects. Well, yeah, and they kind of they sort of split the character of the governess a little bit. They gave part of Emma's governess became Mrs. Geist, and part of it became Dion. Um, yeah, but she's, she's very sweet and trying to make the kids, you know, be better versions of themselves. And yeah, I love her outfits. They're lots of fun. To st- <laughs> <laughs> um, Breckenmeyer also is, uh, probably the guy who's been in the most amount of projects. That guy is always working. I mean, he's in, yeah, he's a busy guy. He's been in tons and tons of shows and movies. He's all over the place. I think if you, I just mean if you add up the number of projects, I bet he's gonna have out, outdone everybody. Hmm. Well, you think Wallace Shawn? You mean he's gonna beat Wallace Shawn in credits? Yeah, I can't possibly. <laughs> I can't. You guys might have to have an IMDb showdown. What are you, what are you guys talking there? about? Well, uh, Wallace Shawn's got four Toy Story movies and Princess Bride, Clueless. And he's got 198 Rise. acting credits. <laughs> well, Wallace Shawn does. That. Yeah. Um, That's a lot. Um, yeah, no, he's a busy guy, but he did a lot mm-hmm. of TV and voiceover mm-hmm. work and yeah. all of that. Breck and Mario, no, he has like ninety. Okay, so, so he's well, while Sean's been around longer. So let's yeah, let's talk in a few years. Seventy-eight. Adjust sorry. for inflation. I do, I read that wrong. Seventy-eight. 
production actor credits. For Wallace Shawn. Uh-huh. For uh, yeah. Breckenmeyer. Wallace Shawn does not have 198 credits. Acting credits on IMDb. David, we're gonna, I'm sorry we're gonna he wasn't in every this. mainstream movie. I guess. I'll show you how to read IMDb. <laughs> what are you talking about? Okay, all right. Uh, who else? Jeremy Sisto was in the Sisto. movie. Sisto, wonderful. Great at playing creepy guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, if any Six Feet Under fans. <laughs> yeah. Oh, um, I didn't see But he had also just done a movie with Alicia Silverstone right before this called Hideaway. Oh. And I, oh. I highly recommend that one. No, I don't. No. But it does have the total package, Jeff Goldblum, in it. Oh, well, so, I'll see that. Yeah, we got to get that, that guy back on. I'm a Sisto fan. Um, but you were talking about style and fashion. Mm-hmm. So this is this is one of the big things about this movie is is the fashion of the film. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it being a kind of a model for the for the 90s itself. Like when I yeah. when I think of the 90s, Clueless is actually like one of the first thoughts in my head because it represents so clearly what the 90s were yeah because it's right smack in the middle of the decade so when you've got other stuff that comes earlier in your memory i think it still sort of associates kind of 80s ish and then things that come later you're kind of lumping those in more 2000s so it's right in the middle of the decade i think it it kind of um its voice was fully formed by that point mm -hmm, yeah it was and you don't see you see maybe shadows of some of those components of the style in maybe the 2000s, um, but not so much. Like, I, I feel like there's, it pretty much has parentheses around it for the, you know, yeah. in the 90s. Like, I don't, you don't see a lot of bleed over of yeah. those styles. Well, and and for each of those, the categories of the, you know, the, the teens, like I was saying mm-hmm. earlier, that they're categorized, they really nailed the wardrobe of that of each mm-hmm. of those groups you yeah. know the skaters all those jenko jeans with the oh, like the frayed bottoms oh my and god the, <laughs> the backwards caps and the yeah and the the pants like the greasy hair and, the pants mm-hmm. like hanging down around your knees basically mm-hmm. that was cool yeah i mean i think that's still a thing in some circles but still cool hey you know everyone has to express themselves Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but did you do you feel like this influenced fashion afterwards, or just was a good uh, snapshot of that moment in time? No, I mean I think because it was taking place in Los Angeles, that if they were drawing on a trend that was happening, it was a. Um, Gosh, I don't know, a really contemporary thing. And L.A. would have been on the forefront of those trends. So mm-hmm. those are things that would have filtered out into the rest of America, um, I think, very largely as a result of what girls were seeing in the movie. It was very much like a Delia's catalog, um, you know, come to life or Contempo Casuals store, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, do you guys know, does anybody know how many outfits Cher wore in the film? It's got to be dozens, right? Dozens? Give me a number and I'll say yes or no. I'll go with 35. Wrong. Dead mm. wrong. Mm. Totally wrong. How many wrong. scenes are in the movie? <laughs> oh, that's true. That's a good question. That's good true. She's basically wearing something different every scene. Yeah, yeah. you're right. It's She's got, be... uh, 63 outfits. Wow. Does that include like her pajamas and stuff? Or yeah, I think okay. it does. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, most of which 
were given to Alicia Silverstone, and then she turned around and donated them to charity. Oh, oh, cool. Good for her. Yeah. Um, but for all the expensive-looking clothes, they actually uh, did it for a modest budget of about two hundred thousand. For just Cher's wardrobe, or no, for, for the, the whole, whole the whole costume wardrobe was wow. that? Yeah, that's um, I. I'm feeling for that costumer right now. No, I think that that costumer would have had to put in a lot of work to put yeah. all of that together. Yeah. They actually got a lot of these uh, items from, you know, non-major dealers. You know, they got them from mm-hmm. much more reasonable. Yeah. Well, I think in L.A. you have the stores. access to that, too. Yeah. Go down to the fashion district and. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But really great job. There's apparently there's 53 different forms of plaid wardrobe in the movie. Mm-hmm. Oh my god! Big color yeah. or big pattern, not a color. <laughs> pattern. Yes. Um, you got a lot of different themes happening in the in the film. You've got, you know, this is a film about social class. It's about, mm-hmm. you know, the the different social structures as she's trying to navigate uh, Ty. Right, Ty's mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brittany Murphy's character kind of through from from one social class from i think what she sees what Cher sees as a lower class or middle you know mm-hmm. middle to lower class and up into the upper class mm-hmm. with her yeah in in the story of emma the um character that ty played would have been harriet and emma and um you know emma is very much encouraging harriet to have aspirations above her social standing um because class in that part of England at that time would have been an essential part of who you were allowed to mix with, who you were allowed to marry. Uh, So I think that they found a really nice way to bring that into the modern times with the whole rigid cliques of high school. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a hard thing to pull off in an American setting where we're much more egalitarian than the Brits as far as uh, class standing is concerned. Um, And so they using that age group and in a, you know, highly trendy part of Los Angeles, you know, I think that they pulled it off. Yeah, I agree. I, I like how, I, I do like how like all these different groups uh, all, all convene in this high school, you know, that, that, mm-hmm. that she actually would mix in with these people and knows these people, but they're not necessarily her core. Like she has mm-hmm. her core friend group where she's taking their pictures and all that, mm-hmm. but she's aware of all these other, all these other groups and like Mm -hmm. she doesn't really hold judgment right but she's careful about the level to which she will mix with them yeah well yeah like there's there's definitely uh tab like faux pas of like you wouldn't you wouldn't hang out with travis yeah Mm -hmm. and all that but he's fine i'm not gonna he like these people get to exist Mm -hmm. but yeah she doesn't want to be a full-on snob yeah yeah, yeah, you know like she does accuse um I am sorry, I can't remember his name, but <laughs> Elton, of Elton. course. Yes. Oh, Elton. She Jeremy accuses Sisto. Elton of being a super snob. So yeah. Well, and and at the at the party, you know, the big party that's going on, they, you know, she seems to intermingle with everybody. Mm-hmm. But at school, which I think also would mirror real life, at mm-hmm. school, then it's much more distinguished mm-hmm. where the yeah. where the lines yeah. are. Yeah, I mean, it, it was on. It was hard enough for her to even go to a valley party, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but then, but she knows she could still kind of, she'd still yeah. be kind of top tier at that party, but she gets to just be one of the people that I don't know. Yeah. So, I, I just like that the, the 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 elitism 
isn't so strong like mm-hmm. and it's not presented like um it's not presented like she's sort of villainous to have that elitism mm-hmm. you know it's just where she comes from mm-hmm. you know and it's yeah i don't know like i think in other movies they like with dealing with those class differences it's a, it like ramps up the elitism and sort of makes everyone on less likable mm-hmm. yeah um but none of that exists uh, with mm-hmm. Cher i don't know mm-hmm. she's always likable mm-hmm. she's yeah. a po- because she's always a positive force no matter what yeah. she's doing i think like she's not acting in her own self-interest well she kind of is but not in like a mm-hmm. insidious way yeah her self-interest is in somebody else and it's yeah. so it's kind of because she wants to feel better about herself and uh, she wants to feel like she's doing good. Those are kind of her motivators. And so she, you know, takes Ty under her wing, um, I think partly out of just boredom, really, and yeah. then partly out of, yeah, just well, wanting to so feel like she's so excited about person. having a project. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's also about outward appearances mm-hmm. and whether, you know, it's it's sort of, Outward appearances, and then does that equal inner happiness mm-hmm. for her? It kind of seems to for her. It's, yeah, that's you know, a bit where her airheadiness like comes yeah. in. Like, I look so cute. Why don't I feel better? You know, kind of yeah. <laughs> thing yeah, yeah. that's um, yeah. She hasn't quite grasped onto that idea yet that you can be totally adorable and wearing a great outfit and have a you know fresh mani pedi, and you can still feel crappy because you haven't examined what's going on inside of yourself. I wonder what college version of Cher would be like. Mm. Where That's she an does interesting figure that proposition. Out. Should write it. No, thanks. <laughs> Alicia Silverstone could still probably play Cher in college. <laughs> yeah, <probably. laughs> the college years. Cher the college years. In the two-pack uh, DVD with Saved by the Bell, the college years. Yeah, exactly. Oh, no. <laughs> um virginity also plays a big role in this movie yeah, and, and i would argue also the themes of temperance so mm-hmm. like staying away from drugs and alcohol or not um overdoing it i think that that's one thing that's kind of fun about this film because you really in so many high school films you get that huge overindulgence you know like your main characters are using drugs they're getting drunk they're being promiscuous you know those are kind boring. of teenage <laughs> Themes. And so it's kind of fun to see a movie where the lead characters are, you know, saying like, oh, well, maybe, you know, just for social interaction, we might do a little bit of this here and there, but we don't get wasted. We don't yeah. sleep yeah. around. We don't. And it's not like a shoving it down your throat, say no to drugs campaign. Yeah. <laughs> There's you no know? Nancy Reagan. It's much more of a, I don't know, much feels much more of a like real life version of it that yeah like they just have better they think more more highly of themselves and they have better things to do and they care about their reputations um probably above all else they don't want to make a fool of themselves by Mm -mm. by behaving badly under the influence or um and and like for instance brecken meyer's character by Mm -hmm. the end of the movie you know he's we don't really see anybody doing like hardcore drugs although yeah no i don't it's just smoking weed. There's a weed. reference to coke, though. There is a mm-hmm. reference to coke, yeah. yeah. Um, but you don't see it. No. It's insinuated. I don't think it's they could meant... have kept their rating and had uh, someone I'm do I'm sure coke. that's part yeah. of it. Yeah. But, um, I think you feel its presence there, especially at the party scene, mm-hmm. that you know that that's happening there, but you're not seeing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and they never really, I don't know, Breckenmeyer's character wasn't really... Per- 
portrayed as an all-out like druggy. I thought he was seen like pretty much like a like stoner. A stoner. Yeah. Yeah. A but he stoner. had. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he Skater he's guy. in a twelve-step program by the end, so yeah. <laughs> probably he it was you know, and I, they did. I remember Cher talking about how you know, like, oh, it's fine to smoke up at a party, but you don't do it every day, like those guys who hang out over there, you yeah. know, and yeah. referencing the stoners on the lawn or whatever. So, yeah. Yeah, so we're kind of, we've got a lot of important themes going on in the movie. A lot of, it's creating a lot more, uh, a lot stronger of a spine for the movie than a lot of the other teenage movies. And I think that's what part of makes this movie stand out and make it as strong as it is, is because it's got, it's really saying something. It's really addressing issues, you know, that were there for teens, Mm -hmm. you know, then and now. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and that's part of what makes the movie, while, yes, it's mega 90s, um, and in its heart, I think it will, you know, last for quite a while because it's mm-hmm. always the issues underneath it, under the surface, are always something you, teens are going to be able mm-hmm. to connect with. I feel like the 90s-ness of it is endearing because it's, it is kind of uh, self-referential. I might say that they know that they're being uh, very much of that moment in time. Um, yeah, it wasn't like trying to be so. It's like over representational. Like mm-hmm. we, we're in on the joke here. Like mm-hmm. this is the way teens talk and act and dress, mm-hmm. and, and yeah. like this is just all silly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, kind of a thing. Yeah. And now it's a, it's a good look back for nostalgia's sake for those of us that experienced and survived the nineties. <laughs> survived. It was a survival. Then we can we can look back at the movie and have an extra like level of fun with it just just looking mm-hmm. about the nineties looking at the nineties of it all. Yeah. Um you know, culturally I think the movie's very important. Um, you know, I mentioned that that she Amy Heckerling helped change the teen you know, genre in 1982 with Fast Times, and then 13 years later, she's doing it again, which is really hard. It's hard to, I think, when you can tap into a teenager's mind and a teenager's lifestyle for one generation, I just think it's got to be really hard to do that again for an entirely another generation. I wonder if she might say, though, that the same struggles and the same fears and that the, all that stays somewhat consistent the you know the specifics might change but that the um the kind of spirituality or whatever of the teen teenagers stays somewhat consistent mm-hmm. yeah that's probably true that yeah a lot of the that like yeah what you just said the spirituality mm-hmm. wouldn't necessarily change while well, maybe the wardrobe does and the music does mm-hmm. and um, everything on the surface might, mm-hmm. everything underneath, you know, teens are to some extent dealing with the same issues now that we dealt with yeah. in the 1940s when we were growing up, <laughs> back to the 1800s mm-hmm. when Aerosmith first started. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Jane Austen wrote them into, yeah. of, into them, Jane right? Austen was neighbors with, with, uh, Steven Tyler? Steven Tyler! Yeah. Yeah. I forget go. his name for a sec. Yeah. Joe Perry? Steven Tyler? Joe Perry. And a bunch of other guys. <laughs> Part of what... Uh, another thing, another layer that, that uh, has this movie lasting through time 
is the the lexicon of the verbiage and the dialogue uh, from the film. Mm-hmm. Amy Heckerling, whether she created entirely on her own or, or was inspired by what the teenagers she was watching at uh, Beverly Hills High were saying, uh, you know, she created this language, mm-hmm. some of which, you know, still is said today. Mm-hmm. And that's, I mean, pretty, from a cultural standpoint, that's pretty amazing to, that, mm-hmm. you know, you're creating terminology for a movie that's going to last 20, 30 however many years down the road. Mm-hmm. Not everything, but some of them. Sure. Mm-hmm. Well, it's it, it's like, um, especially the way teens talk to each other, even if you're if you're a good enough writer and you're creating things out of thin air, like you could almost see, yeah, this is probably what, this is how they talk. I don't really understand them. There's mm-hmm. these weird terms. Um, Joss Whedon was the same way when he did Buffy on TV. Mm-hmm. Like the, the idea that these like characters were like, they were talking like whip smart, and like but with their own little language mm-hmm. it wasn't that it was representational of like how teens actually talk but it was an example like just this own little insular mm-hmm. world so was, yeah i think it's always really cool like you it, it, and then cha- the language changes every year mm-hmm. like yeah so the teens today won't understand teens five years from now right you know yeah it seems like it's part of the especially a school you know in that school environment that it's a way to kind of keep the adults uh, in the dark, I suppose, when you have yeah. your own words and your own language that you use, that they, um, it's like an inside joke. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's only we get it mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, but so relatable because we were all teens and mm-hmm. had our social circles and mm-hmm. we talked like weirdos <laughs> <laughs> sometimes. Yeah. It was, yeah. Anyway. All right, now I'm going to play a little game with you guys. What? So we're going to go through. We're gonna go through uh, some of the some of the terminology here, and you tell me what you think. Kind of a modern version, if you can think of it, oh, what geez. a modern version of it is. I'll tell you the answer. Oh, oh you know the answer. Oh, okay. We have to, wait. You mean it's like what kids these days are saying? Yeah. Is that what kids uh, these days are saying? <laughs> okay, let's try it. I don't even oh. know what kids are saying. Today. I'm I'm, I'm going to tell you that I have an article from Harper's Bazaar. <laughs> <laughs> That's assisting me oh, on this Lord. project. You got oh, a journalist man. to help you on this one. Well, I don't know. I don't talk. To I wouldn't anyone. even have passed this test when I was a teenager. I don't talk to anyone under the age of thirty-seven years old. <laughs> yeah. So, including your own children. I don't talk to them. <laughs> they talk to me. Once they hit that, I will talk to. <laughs> once they hit thirty-seven, <laughs> then, then we can you'll start. Yeah. Yeah. All right. What about as if? As if was that like the number one? You know, as if piece yeah. of like. Quotable dialogue. That she from said, this. "Yeah, yeah." So, what are they saying today? What are they saying today? Um. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even. I can't oh, say. okay, I get that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, that seems like a little. Yeah, old. you guys know that. I don't think yeah. they're saying that anymore. But yeah, I feel well, like I feel like five Harper's years ago. Bizarre things they're still saying. Yeah. That, yeah. So. Uh, bugging. Tripping. Yeah, pretty, yeah. Oh, okay. You're tripping. I was thinking it might be more clinical and technical because teenagers these days seem much more in tune with, like, their diagnoses than we might have been <laughs> in the 90s. <laughs> was that you know what bugging like, means? Like, you need to put a trigger warning on that, or, you right. know, like, they, they're much more in touch with, with what's happening internally. That's true. Yeah. yeah. 
Do you know what bugging means? Do you, like you're kind of like freaking out. There you go. Freaking totally out. freaking out. Oh my god. <laughs> so what's the answer? What is Harper's bizarre? Uh, they've got it saying dying or dead. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Like yeah. Okay. Or yeah. like. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I see. I see that on the Twitter. Yeah. Here's a fun one. Audi. Um, Which I always thought was outy, like out oh, e. No, you know? sorry. Oh, Audi five thousand. Yeah, I yeah. Like, cause wasn't it's a car. paying attention that close. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm Audi. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I this don't one's know. very popular these days with the kids. The kids uh-huh. say, "Bye, Felicia." Oh boy. Oh, yeah. I guess. That's, uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, don't agree. But isn't that a blow off? Bye, Felicia is like a blow off thing. You said. People. Yeah, you but don't I, think I Audi guess Audi could be. Like be. I think it's a contextual like. That's true. I still say know. Audi five thousand. <laughs> yeah, I still I say I'm gonna blow this popsicle stand and I leave. Yeah. Yeah. So does your dad? He says that too. Yeah. <laughs> My grandmother also says that. <laughs> uh, all right. What about Barney? Like Chad or something. Mm-mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're such a Chad. Um, hmm. Barney and Betty. So so wait, okay. The Bettys were the beautiful girls. Mm-hmm. So were Barneys like the hot guys? No, I kind of Barneys missed were that. like the. Oh. No, Barneys were not the hot guys. Oh. They were um, uh, oh, an okay. inadequate male. Oh, okay. Oh. Like she calls, Cher calls the, those guys that Ty was like flirting with at the mall. Oh, who, yeah. What? Ended up hanging her upside down? Yeah. Like, cool, guys. Yeah. She calls yeah. them Barneys. Okay. okay. Uh, what do kids say? I don't know. Okay. Douchebag? Bing, bing. Oh, okay. Oh, got it. Yeah, nice. <laughs> That's it. Lindsay All wins. Right. Douchebag's been a, a See, favorite. See, she's the executive vice president of historical she accuracy. Yeah. She should have somebody, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, what about Betty? You might be able to figure this one out. I mean, uh, are they not saying hot anymore? A I very mean, attractive like, female. Uh, no, hot. not hot. It's not. Mm. not hottie. Are we allowed to talk about very attractive? I mean, I'm. I don't. I think that we should just not talk about very attractive females. You should say she's brilliant. Mm-hmm. She's, um, yeah, you know, she's smart. She's intelligent. So Cher refers to her mom as a Betty. Right. Uh huh. There's a clue. Oh, mama, mommy, uh, I'm a, uh, mother. Harper's Bazaar says it's MILF. Oh. oh boy. Yeah, okay. What? I think they are Kids are not wrong. saying MILF anymore, are they? No, they? I don't think We'd so. We'd have to talk to some kids, I don't know. Yeah. We, I don't think we want to go down this road. <laughs> uh, Monet. Oh, Okay. You look good from far away, but you're a mess up close. Oh. Is that being a hot mess? Is that? Mm, kind of. Okay. You're on the right track. Butterface? Ooh. <laughs> no, no they, say, they, right. say, uh, <laughs> they say it's she looks better with a filter. Oh, oh. yeah, like your Instagram filters. Yeah. Okay. Nice, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, let's see here. We've terrible. got, what about, <laughs> what about Baldwin? Well, that's a hot Uh huh. Right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and he still is. We know this. Yeah. I mean, don't they just still say Baldwin? <laughs> no. No, they don't. Uh, I don't know. Bay. Okay. I thought that was gender neutral. Am I wrong? I'm uh, not up on the... I think the... Bay is gender neutral. Okay. I don't know. There might be a little off here. 
Okay. I think it's I think it's morphed into gender neutral. Okay. Yeah. Maybe it didn't start that way, mm. but it, it I think it's there now. They took on a life of its own. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't event... say gender neutral, but gender inclusive. Like you could call anybody mm-hmm. of any gender a bay. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. But it probably was originally hot guys. Because they're before anything else. That's what bay means. Oh, okay. Before or anything else. Before, oh. any, before anyone else, I believe. Okay. That's a, this is so fun, clinically taking apart mm. the slang. Yeah. Uh, okay, we'll do one more. Okay. Jeepin'. What does that mean? So that's like cruise. Like, is that when they're cruising? Like, is that it's, jeepin'? It's like going behind your your partner's oh, back. Oh, okay. So cheating. Or, you know, and specifically referring to doing that in a vehicle. Oh. Right. Oh. Does the new term do that? Like, is, is it term? Ubering now um, or something? No, it doesn't refer to a vehicle. Ride sharing? <laughs> uh, creepin'. Creepin'? Creepin'. It rhymes. Jeepin' and creepin'. Jeepin' and creepin'. Okay. Okay, I think you gotta yeah. write Macklemore and tell write... him to write a new song. <laughs> Jeepin' and creepin'. Clueless 2. Jeepin' and creepin'. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, maybe Cher has a daughter of her own now who's of I'm this certain age. I'm already writing it. Oh, sorry. That is proprietary information. Um, yeah, so there you go. That's uh, a quick look at uh, some of hmm. our dialogue from the film and what it what it sounds like now. Cool. In the year 2025. In the year 2000. In the year 2000. <laughs> uh, the soundtrack of the movie. Mm-hmm. A lot of great songs. A lot on of it. great songs. Yes. Can can you sing oh, a few of them? I don't even remember. Can there is sing? supermodel. I'm just a girl. Right. Um, sure. You've got. This was. Su- this was the first time I heard No Doubt. Uh, really? Okay. Yeah. And then there's a song "We Are Young." I think is on this. Mm-hmm. We are young. Yep. Are, mm-hmm. Mighty or, Mighty Boss it, Tones. Oh, that's right, they oh, performed. they yeah. were playing. That was a little that's cringy. That, 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 that was kind of a cringy moment for me. Well, that's like one of those. Those are sounds that existed in the '90s. Yeah. Maybe by like 2001, yeah. that was gone. Yeah. No, but it's also just seeing these guys who like like 50. Yeah, and you know that they're probably. I don't know how how as far as money and album sales how popular the, they got um but it just felt it felt like a kind of smash mouthy like desperate grab for when i saw it i was just like oh these but guys should think, be better than that. i think they were sort of the flavor of the week at the time yeah right? they were I, I, so like it was like it's like putting vanilla ice in a ninja turtles movie yeah, yeah. okay yes it had a very much a vanilla <laughs> ice yes like a vibe or, to it you know or like giving him his own movie <laughs> yeah. well yeah that's true <laughs> And also, they just looked. I don't know. I never liked yeah. that sound. I I do enjoy a little ska-ish stuff, you know, here and there. But um, yeah. but yeah, it's uh, I just felt like they knew they were selling out doing it. Like I felt like I could read that on their in their performance. The best part <laughs> of their performance in the movie is when he goes crowd surfing, like to the <laughs> last shot. There's like. <laughs> Five people in the crowd. Yeah. That's like it's everyone who's like left there at the end. Yeah, and he just dived, kind of like falls yeah. on them, and, and like stands they, up. They put him immediately yeah. on. I his don't feet. even know why they kept that in the yeah. edit. I don't because it it's so it's odd. It's yeah. an odd moment. It's like that was the worst me. crowd surfing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ever. Like, did they want it to be bad, and they thought it was funny to leave it in, or yeah. it just that's mm-hmm. a that's one of the few awkward moments yeah. for me in the movie is that. That performance with them. I love uh, tenderness at the end, mm-hmm. the over the end credits. I think mm-hmm. it's a great, great song. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, but that was uh, wasn't that That's an like 80s such song? An, it's such an 80s it song. Is. Yeah, it's so yeah. weird. It must it must be like a Heckerling favorite or something. Yeah, um, I mean she had, it works, but she certainly knew music too because the soundtrack for Fast Times was oh, yeah. a really big mm-hmm. part of that movie. Yeah, yep. um, you know, and this is really other than tenderness. The rest are all you know pure 90s mm-hmm. sounds. Pure uh, 90s. Yeah, that's the album that that <laughs> alternate title for the soundtrack. <laughs> Yeah, tenderness was like '84. Maybe, yeah. So. Okay. But just a happy ending. So yeah. let's, David, you're you're okay with that? Okay, I don't care. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> well, and it's you know an older couple getting married, so it's kind of yeah. appropriate that there yeah. would be a song that's not. There you go. Yeah. Historical. I'm not saying it's just weird. Yeah. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. It's, yeah. it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, the movie did inspire a follow-up television series and a series mm-hmm. of, uh, I think, young adult novels. Which, uh, David, you read all those, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the what happens to like share? when you age out of Babysitters Club, you, yeah. you then get start getting clueless. You do the clueless, okay. Yeah. Uh, Storylines, yeah. Um, the TV series had three seasons, didn't it? Three. It was about three seasons. Mm-hmm. I think it was on WB. I want to say it was on the WB mm-hmm. network. Yeah, anyone I think remember so. that? The I do. Frog logo. With Richard J. Are Frog. you saying they're not yeah. around yeah. anymore? <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't know. Uh, but yeah, that went. Stacy Dash was in the show. Alicia Silverstone. Obviously, this was a big, the mm-hmm. the big career boost yeah. for her. So she, at the time, it was like TV was sort of a step down. Oh yeah. So she did not go along with uh, some of the other mm-hmm. cast members that went to the show. Uh, Cher was played by Rachel Blanchard, which, mm-hmm. Lindsay, I think you're familiar with her. Am I? Uh, Seventh Heaven, a little show oh. that you used to watch. She was on what that. Did she do I, on did, Seventh I did Heaven. spend some time watching that. She was on it. But I don't, I don't pay attention to, you know. She had long blonde hair. Oh. Okay. You'd, you'd know her. All right. Um, but yeah, so she played Cher, but Stacey Dash was in the show. Mm-hmm. Um I just blanked on the actress with the red hair, who's like Cher's rival, sort oh, of. Elisa Donovan. Mm-hmm. Elisa Donovan. Amber. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. she's Amber. She's she's in the show, and I think she becomes much more of a main character. I don't mm-hmm. think she has that. I don't remember her having that like rivalry as strong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She was sort of like another friend of Cher's, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're like, they're sort of supposed to be frenemies. I think that you mm-hmm. kind of they don't fully get into that in the. In the movie, but in um, the novel of Emma, that's supposed to be Mrs. Elton, who's this, she's such a fantastic character. She's so unlikable, and um, she's just, like, has full of humble brags. Like, that's all she does is humble brag through, like, the whole, yeah. <laughs> every scene she's in. And so, um, yeah, I it, hopefully they got to explore that part of the character in the show. Because yeah. it was, I think it was missing unfortunately from the movie well let's track it down let's watch all three seasons this weekend (laughs) um and then later on years later they would uh iggy azalea and charlie x would make a really fun uh music video to the the Mm -hmm. song fancy uh that was entirely inspired by clueless the song Mm -hmm. not the song but just the video yeah Yeah. Uh, they recreate shots from the movie and yeah the mm-hmm. look of, and the whole look of it is the is clueless it's yeah. amazing yeah, it's yeah. Cool. i'm not a big iggy azalea fan i do like charlie x a lot mm-hmm. um, i didn't know which one was which in the video <laughs> i watched it I'm in like, case we I'm, haven't established <laughs> yet in this we're old <laughs> we're old <laughs> um yeah so uh if you haven't checked out that video 
even if you like the song, check out the video on YouTube, wherever, you know. Get it. Check it out. I think it's, it's on uh, YouTube. Totally fun. Yeah. You, you open a like web a browser. Official. Go to Google. Type in www. It won't go without You don't even, no, you don't need that anymore. You don't need that? So you start www.youtube.com. Do you have to go to like the DOS prompt? The C, yeah, the C prompt. No, it's more advanced than that now. Oh, wow. No. Wow. You type www.youtube.com. Is this before or after the, the dial-up sound is over? Um, God damn it. I'm sorry. <laughs> America it's very online. Advanced, very advanced now. <laughs> Prodigy? It's very advanced. Uh, way beyond these. How much are you paying per minute for your internet, by the way? <laughs> I can get online in like... Hourly. I can get online like five minutes. <laughs> Just wait. It'll get. It'll connect. Yeah, yeah. You'll get a coffee. Come back. You'll be online. Surfing the web. Mm-hmm. Even download those gifts in minutes or many, many minutes. Yeah. Just yeah. a little bar. A little... You can, yeah. Exactly. You could like start the download, go watch a movie, come back, and be almost done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nineteen ninety-five. I, w- I do want to mention. Did have another uh, teen-related movie. That I would say is probably, it couldn't be further from Clueless. Mm-hmm. Have you guys seen Kids? Uh, yes. I've actually yeah. stayed away from it. Um, mm-hmm. Accidentally, mostly. But then people say how horrifying it is or something. that is. I'm just like, oh, well, I'll get around to it. So I've never seen Kids. It's everything that this movie isn't. Mm-hmm. Um, so Although I'd say they're both hyper, you know, uh, realisms. Or, yeah. you know, like they're... Neither of them is <laughs> is showing your kind of honest, typical portrayal of real sure. teenagehood. And, sure. Yeah. This is a much more um, glamorized Hollywood version of it, and kids mm-hmm. is you and know, clean and mm-hmm. yeah, a much more gritty, dark. Um, I mean, it's kind of all grit. Yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, it's like sandpaper. Yeah. <laughs> It is. It is. It's the sandpaper of the teen movie. It's like somebody rubbed sandpaper on my eyeballs when I watched that movie. <laughs> I, re- I saw kids in the theater. My uncle uh, and aunt mm. took me to see that. And I couldn't have been more uncomfortable watching yeah. that movie. Did you get to sit in between them I think in the I theater? Did. I think Aww. I did. Oh, my God. How cozy. <laughs> I think we like immediately went and saw... like. I don't know what was it? Mortal Kombat like right after that. I'm like, I need that movie out of my yeah. system. You need a palate cleanser. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, call Mr. Johnny Cage and uh, who else? Raiden. Raiden. Yeah. Liu Kang. Sonya. Liu Sonya. Kang. Yeah. I thought uh, 1995 teen movie. Uh, you, I thought you were either going to say Tom or Tom and Huck. Yeah. Or the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers movie, which is yeah. about teen heroes. <laughs> So, yeah, a lot of teens in '95 making their way through, but yeah. Clueless really broke broke through. <laughs> that is like all across the board. <laughs> kids, Power Rangers. You got kids on one end, Clueless, Clueless on the other. other. Power Rangers <laughs> somewhere, somewhere on one side of those. And then uh, a Mark Twain adaptation. <laughs> yeah. I guess I'd put Mark Twain with the Jane Austen adap- you know adaptation. There so. you go. They can hang out. <laughs> yeah. Except Mark Twain hated Jane Austen, so... Did they know each other? No. No, no. They were... They, they were not of the same time. Sure they were. Old. Olden times. Yeah. No, Mark Twain despised Jane Austen's writing. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mark. Okay. Yeah, you know, it's not for everybody. Yeah. 
Um, should we talk a little box office? How, how, see how the movie box did? Office? Sure, yeah. Love yeah. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the movie was shot over forty a forty day span from November ninety four to February ninety five. Uh, they shot it in Beverly Hills. Mm-hmm. They shot it in Encino, uh, mm-hmm. which were more of the the houses the, and in the valley scenes and stuff would be yeah. There. The, yeah. Yep. Uh, the valley scenes were you know the clown liquor is an circus. actual circus, circus liquor mm-hmm. i'm sorry circus liquor is a real place we used to sure live yep. right down the street from it yeah i'm heading over there right after the show yeah. mm-hmm. to open 24 hours oh, shoot my undisclosed location okay i'm in town <laughs> i'm in town i'm just <laughs> i'm just not yet the studio Sorry. The uh, mall was the West Side Pavilion over on mm-hmm. Pico, okay. and uh, the high school was shot at Occidental College, which is right down the street from where mm-hmm. we record at Recon Cinema Studios. And uh, Barack Obama mm-hmm. spent a couple years attending mm-hmm. college at mm-hmm. Occidental College. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a twelve million dollar budget, and uh, was pretty successful. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> opening weekend, it was. Uh, do you remember, David? Do you remember how much it made that weekend off o- the top of your opening head? weekend? Yeah, I mean, it's probably I don't know, ten million, ten yeah. and a half million dollars. Yeah, right around ten. Mm-hmm. So you know, right opening weekend, it's almost breaking even, which is pretty good. Yeah. Um, domestic, it's domestic run. It made fifty six million, so definitely a success, definitely mm-hmm. a hit. Well, and they kept it kind of low budge by not having to have any names. Exactly. And it, it was a yeah. and it, cuz it's a large cast. So if you had any names at all, you would be spending a lot on your actors. So they yeah. didn't Yeah. yeah they kind of kept it in a more reasonable range. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean the expectations had to be kind of low with like no name star, you know, mm-hmm. uh, a female folk female driven story. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, obviously like you know, making five times the budget back. I mean, mm-hmm. that's pretty yeah, good. Yeah, pretty good. And then sort of becoming a pop culture thing. I'm sure this this thing went crazy on video. Oh, afterwards. it did mm-hmm. definitely. I was I when I was working at Suncoast Motion Picture Company, mm-hmm. uh, this was definitely like a big comedy seller. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, for sure. So they sold a lot, and some were probably stolen a lot. <laughs> yeah. <Is> it, <laughs> what do you think the the number I, of thefts were? I'm, I'm this film. Medium. <laughs> Medium. Medium yeah. uh, no, but this was always one that like yeah. we were instructed to make sure it was face out mm-hmm. in the on the wall. Oh, not the not the spine. Not the, the spine. Or... You got to show the face, yeah. and this was uh, and it was it was a constant like it was constantly moving. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it came out July twenty first, nineteen ninety five. It actually de- didn't debut at number one. It, it uh, opened at number two. Because it just couldn't top that Apollo thirteen, mm, yeah. space couldn't, movie. couldn't get past it. Can't you can't beat the Hanks magic? You know, it's it, pretty uh, hard to. Yeah, not not then, not now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it did put a big elbow in Hugh Grant's face with nine months and said, <laughs> "Get out of the way, Hugh." So Apollo 13's third weekend still beat it out. Yeah. Apollo 13, it's that's, that's weekend, a kind yeah. of... People, Sorry, it was its fourth weekend. People forget how mm-hmm. big of a movie that was. Yeah, it's well, kind it of was, a, you could still take, even though it was tense, you could still take your family to it, you know. Yeah. Uh, it's it's like, a wholesome Ron Howard mm-hmm. 90s movie. Yeah. I mean, there are... Lots of, you know, yeah, subtle patriotism, mm-hmm. you know, things that yeah. feel good things for yeah. people. Yeah. You know? I mean, you got Bacon, Paxton, Sinise. Whew, I'm there. <laughs> Just to name a few. Yeah. <laughs> Not to Harris. mention Harris, yeah. <laughs> uh, 
So this was the number 32 movie of 1995. Not bad. Which I, th- I actually thought it was going to rank higher, but looking back at it, it squeezed right between 12 Monkeys and Sabrina. So Which one was higher? 12, 12 Monkeys. Okay. It was 12 Monkeys, mm-hmm. Clueless, Sabrina. Mm-hmm. So she, Alicia, and Amy topped Harrison Ford. Mm-hmm. Ha-ha. Pretty, pretty big deal for 95. Yeah. He's still, you know, at his, you know, at, at his height. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but not yeah, so just, as a romantic lead, though. Yeah, yeah. I mean, people are seeing his... Just as a star in general. Yeah. His star power yeah. was still super strong. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, But, I mean, if movies like 12 Monkeys, which is a Bruce Willis, Brad Pitt movie, mm-hmm. you know, in 95, and Harrison Ford's 1995 movie was that low, like, that's a lot of strong movies that are ahead mm-hmm. of it. I mean, yeah. if there's 31 other movies up there... Mm-hmm. That's uh, there's a lot happening in '95. Maybe yeah. we should take a look next summer at uh, 1995. Okay, mm-hmm. maybe. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. Why not? It's a big year. <laughs> um, this ranks number 13 in high school comedies. Mm-hmm. Uh, now that's of all time. So it, it uh, just behind Easy A and just ahead of Never Been Kissed. Easy A, great movie. Man. Easy A it is, is a, and another adaptation, adaptation. sort of. of. It's a The Scarlet Letter. So it's good. a but it's so a it's not a one for one adaptation like no. like uh, Emma and Clueless are but it's I love how it takes these scenes from a you know yeah a novel about Puritan yeah <laughs> the Puritan New World and brings it to yeah. American High School uh, Clueless got you know mostly positive reviews from everybody Roger Ebert loved it uh, New York Times Rolling Stone they all gave it like kind of three to four stars. Mm-hmm. Um, really strong cast, really strong story. It's funny, you know. It mm-hmm. works. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, lots of good reviews. Yeah, I mean, and, again, you can't go wrong with basing it on a one of Jane Austen's strongest stories. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You can't go wrong. Even Pride and Prejudice and Zombies can't can't do it. The foundation's I, there. I couldn't tell you. <laughs> Did you not read that? Uh, yeah, no, I haven't read it or or seen that one. Do they make a Do they make a movie out of it? Yes. Yeah. They yeah, it's yeah, it's got that um, Downton Abbey girl who's oh, currently shit. in Yesterday at the moment, and I don't remember her name because I'm uh, terrible but, with yeah, actor yeah. names. But yeah, she's. I didn't realize they mm-hmm. they've actually filmed that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Um, <laughs> circling back to Clueless, though. Yeah. How do you feel like? I know we like the movie, but how do you feel like it holds up from a 2019 perspective? Mm-hmm. Mostly works. Mostly yeah. works. Mm-hmm. There's anything, a, I, anything that you feel like kind of sticks out that doesn't hold up or doesn't work as well? Uh, I can tell you for me, like I'd have to hear what you. Have to say. I I struggled then, and I still kind of struggle with the Josh share relationship. Like it always mm-hmm. felt a little wrong that like you know yes especially watching it this time i i definitely heard the line that like their you know their parents were like briefly briefly married so right. they're, they're not blood relatives but it still felt a little wrong incestuous yeah, stepbrother like, and stepsister still feels a little close for comfort um and then because in in emma they've managed to distance the characters um they they're familial enough that that Emma would never have considered Mr. Knightley as a a potential suitor because 
he's the brother of her sister's husband. So, <laughs> oh. um, so they're, they have a familial relationship. And so she then feels surprised when she realizes that she has feelings for him. But yeah, yeah this one, it's like, I don't know if they, how they could have, you know, maybe if he had been like the stepson of her, you know, maybe the stepson of a, her dad's sister or something. Maybe like, right. you know, I feel like one more step removed would take away that. I mean, he could have just, I mean, they could have just, it's, it's just harder to find like a shorthand for them to be close. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. You're right. So it's like, mm-hmm. you have to establish prior relationship mm-hmm. and cut through a lot of that stuff. Yeah. And an excuse for them to, you, they should not be thinking of each other romantically. Right. Yeah. And yet suddenly they find that they are, you know. So. Yeah. I mean, it's murky. They kind mm-hmm. of, they, I could, you can imagine he probably lived in the house for like a year, like mm-hmm. years ago. So mm-hmm. they knew each other when they were, it's like knowing someone when you're a kid. And yeah. Then, yeah. I mean, I get it. Like, it's a little, it's a little, I, I'm not, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But they're not. They're, they're just, not blood related. They're not no. blood related. I mean, I, I don't think know. that if, and you know, John was probably going to touch on this too, that the, um, if the age difference situation weren't also there, yeah, yeah. I think those two combined, because I, I am assuming they don't say, I'm assuming that Josh is supposed to be maybe only 19. Maybe he's like still a fresh freshman or about to become a, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, a sophomore in college. But he, to me, he looks Older. older yeah like he's more like a junior looking to me and she is not she's just turning 16 yeah, yeah, and yeah. and that's pretty young to be dating a college guy yeah. um especially so, public like uh, by the end they're public about mm-hmm. it yeah and like tongue and knows, everything <laughs> yeah she slips oh, yeah. in the tongue yeah, like, and she tongue. really was only 17 when she filmed yeah. and i don't know how old he was when this was filmed was 25 but. Yeah, <laughs> and he looks, he really does look it to me. Yeah, he, he looks, looks early yeah. 20s. Oh, yeah, he doesn't yeah. look late teens yeah. to me. So yeah, yeah. so when you combine the the close familial relationship with the age difference, mm-hmm. uh, and then, and it's a little sexual harassy for a 19, you know, for a 2019, you know, like you see him tickle her when she didn't, and she's trying to shove him away and things like that, that yeah. it, now audiences feel slightly more uncomfortable yeah. with that than they would have at the time. That's true. Like even when Cher's walking through that through high, through her school in the beginning and talking about mm-hmm. boys and that guy just comes and puts his arm around her and she shoves yeah. him. Yeah. I love fun. how assertive she is about like, her space. Like that like, feels yeah. felt and that she um, acknowledges in the car that she's been sexually harassed. Like I feel like that that's yeah. more cutting edge for the time that girls were very much expected to just kind of take that that kind of attention from people and not make complaint mm-hmm. about it. And she's, she's very assertive about her space. So I appreciate that a lot about the share character, but except when it comes to Josh, it's a little, yeah, yeah. a little funky. Yeah. But talk about it's age. You know what bugs me was when I found out how old Stacy dash actually was when, when they shot this movie, she's like 29. Is she 29? Mm-hmm. She was 29 yeah. when they made this. And Alicia Silverstone's 17. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And look at the two of them. And she, you know, doesn't look 29. She, no. She looks amazing. No. Yep. But, uh, and she's, she's still basically... <laughs> she looks almost the same. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, yep. she carries herself... Uh, she, she carries herself with that sort mm-hmm. of power, that sort of... And she is supposed to be role. more mature, you yeah. know. Yeah. But she's supposed to kind of be the the wiser, wiser friend, yeah. you know, yeah. who can 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but overall, I think this movie aged a lot better than I, I remembered it. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel you know, like the, you know, there also one part for me that was challenging was her racist moment with her housekeeper. Because no, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. in, the, in the novel, it bothered me for a couple of reasons. One, because she's being a racist and, and that's always unfortunate. And, you know, in a 2019 watching, you know, I think we're much more aware, um, yeah. I would hope of those kinds of portrayals on the screen, but also in there's no, um, there's not a very good equivalency to the novel. And it's such an important turning point in the novel of Emma, where she has, uh, berated or been snarky to a woman of lesser means who she's Mm -hmm. been friendly with. And this is, so it's Mrs. Bates is the character. And she, she says something really horrible publicly to Mrs. Bates um, in an effort to kind of look cool and be funny. And she gets a major comeuppance for it. And she feels deep shame. And that is her big turning point for realizing that she needs to find some humility and turn herself around. Uh, and that having money and status isn't enough to make you a good person. And she needs to find that true empathy within her instead of just kind of thinking mm. that you can just, you know, yeah. give to charity and that makes you a good person. You know, she yeah, right. she realizes she has to feel it also. Um, and that the character of Mr. Knightley is the one who who shames her for it. And that also... Which is the that Josh. That would be the Josh character, yes. Yeah. So that would... That also is a trigger for her to realize how much his opinion of her matters and that's a big moment when she starts to realize that she's indeed falling in love mm. with him um, and doesn't just think of him as a, this brother figure in her life. Um, so I feel like they they missed a good opportunity there. And it gets sort of thrown away. And especially because they substituted racism for, you know, elitism. Um, <laughs> I would have loved to see that get examined a little more. Um, so, yeah. yeah that. But, uh, you know, that's... But all that being said, mm-hmm. I felt like watching it now, I enjoyed the movie mm-hmm. more than I ever have, mm-hmm. which surprised me. Because I did, like I said, I liked it when I first saw it in the theaters mm-hmm. and then, you know, fell out of favor with me. <laughs> but And I haven't watched it in years. And I, I yeah. loved it this time. I mm-hmm. thought it was so much fun. Uh, again, as we said because it's such a strong story and on top of that it's such a great nostalgic look back at the Mm -hmm. 90s it hits every kind of all the notes of the 90s so yeah i definitely think that folks our age who haven't seen it or haven't seen it in a while would still enjoy it and i also think that um there's a good chance that younger kids would still find something to enjoy in this also oh yeah Mm -hmm. i'm happy this movie exists because Mm -hmm. they gave us that new run of 90s teen movies mm-hmm. and going like and from that came Bring It On, which mm-hmm. one of my favorites mm-hmm. and uh, Can't Hardly yeah, Wait. Yeah, I was gonna say mm-hmm. Can't Hardly Can't Wait. Can't Hardly Wait. It's my favorite. It's one of my favorites. Is mm-hmm. Brecken Meyer in Can't Hardly Wait? Uh, you would think he's so. in all those movies. Right? Yeah, he could be. I think he actually. Is. <laughs> he's in Josie and the Pussycats. Mm-hmm. I think he might have a side role or something. But yeah, and you get and you sort of get a split because then you get the teen horror genre going on and yeah. then the mm-hmm. teen comedy going on. Yeah. And then they come full circle in Scary Movie, and then it just blows your mind. Well, then well, you've I... got weird shit like Cruel Intentions, mm-hmm. another adaptation. Of, Which uh, sort of came place. from uh, I Know What You Did Last Summer. 
right? With that, that yeah. half of that cast mm-hmm. is in the movie. Yeah, that's true. And I feel like there's a very tongue-in-cheek uh, quality about these mid to late '90s teen comedies, like they, um, like American Pie. Yeah, they they <laughs> they have a sense of humor about themselves and a sense of irony, and uh, they're yeah. you know not taking themselves so seriously, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, then what well, would you say? Like, and then Legally Blonde was kind of like a probably a great spiritual sequel mm-hmm. to Clueless. Well, I'm in probably going to have my female card revoked. Uh, I have not seen Legally Blonde. Oh, so. that's really good. Or oh, Mean well. Girls. The police are on their way. <laughs> mean Girls is pretty good. I, I had like a Green button Girls. under the under the desk. <laughs> it's a purple button. That, that's mm-hmm. the one that calls the police. Mm-hmm. I have a few the different purple. buttons. Okay. Yeah. Like my phones. You've, you've, yeah. Okay. <laughs> um well yeah i would i would recommend it i think i feel like teens today you know might see a little more comedically with the 90s-ness of it but you know i think there's still that story that strong story underneath it is Mm -hmm. uh still identifiable for modern audience Mm -hmm. so yeah so i'd recommend it i think people should watch it if you haven't seen it in a while check it out again watch it with someone who hasn't seen it Mm. watch it together Rent it from Videotech. <laughs> At the end of the show. That's we- <laughs> <laughs> We're not signing off. It's just, <laughs> boom. just stay tuned for the next episode. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. It's a, um, I really enjoyed it. I haven't mm-hmm. watched it in a few, in a number of years, mm-hmm. and but I've always loved it. And then just to rewatch it for this, I was just like in heaven. It's yeah. just oh, so fun. Yeah, I, I I like that you. I like that you ended up loving it more than you ever have mm-hmm. and like you've you've really turned around like liked it embarrassed by it liked it again haven't seen it and then love it like that's mm-hmm. that's a nice turn i have those weird love-hate relationships with a lot of movies mm-hmm. like i i went through this with tarantino mm-hmm. you should hate them all <laughs> <laughs> save no. that for another day mm-hmm. but yeah so yeah, yeah, no, uh, i get you what do you think Lindsay? Yeah, I, I absolutely had a great time watching it again. It'd been a very long time for me. Um, and I just, I think Cher's really endearing. And I feel, again, like they maintained that Jane Austen irony quite nicely because that's an essential component of the enjoyment for yeah. me. And I think, yeah, Stacy Dash, I love watching her. And um, yeah, I have a good time with that yeah. movie. Yep. Well, that's probably. I think that's going to wrap it up for us, guys. It's uh, been great having a special guest uh, yeah. on this episode. Thank you we'll- so much for being here. <laughs> Even if I didn't fact check all of those historical. Uh... Sorry, she reprimands me later off air about it, so I have to issue <laughs> I'll lots have to of reprimand apologies. myself too. I'm sure after this one. But... <laughs> no, but your but your insight is good too because I I didn't want to read Emma in prepare preparation for this episode just the cliff so, notes version so, yeah, that's what Cher would do yeah. she would read the cliff notes yeah. <laughs> uh, but no I really appreciate that mm-hmm. it, was, it was so fun yeah. well, thanks, well thanks, thanks for having me guys yeah, yeah. Uh, you're welcome you can come back anytime come back another time <laughs> anytime not yeah, a, maybe, I won't come back anytime maybe, sometimes maybe when we do like The Rock or like yeah. Mission Impossible Mission Impossible Please 2 bring the, me be- back the for best Armageddon. one the best that's my favorite. <laughs> Armageddon. Armageddon. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Oh my God. We'll, we'll on tie it in. Board. Well, you're a big Aerosmith fan. We all know that. Yeah. 
Uh, okay, guys. So uh, thank you very much. We want to thank our friends, like usual. Curtis Moore, thank you for the uh, always fun poster. We love that. Uh, E.K. Wimmer, love the theme song. Love your podcast, Laser Graves, which you can check out anywhere you get your podcast fun. Uh, and also, you know, check him out on Instagram, and his VHS collection is really spot on. Oh, well, so, plug yeah. That. Uh, and yeah, so give us a, check us out on on iTunes. Give us a five star rating and a review. We really uh, would appreciate it. Uh, check us out on social media at what are we at, David? Uh, at Reconsideration on Twitter and Instagram, and course our facebook page which all the kids are using facebook <laughs> facebook facebook.com yeah. slash reconsideration yeah uh okay guys we're gonna be back in uh, a couple of weeks with another very special movie we're gonna dial the way back machine again there it goes is there ever a time you don't dial the way back machine? it'd be hard to go where we're going without dialing it back. yeah uh, okay. dial it forward it would take a really long time Go full circle, you mean? Like, yeah. go all Give the way go. around? Yeah. Just go full, so far, we end up back. In the future. Yeah. Back to the future. Something like that. <laughs> <laughs> we're not doing Back to the Future next. Yeah. <laughs> that was no. not a teaser. <laughs> that was not a teaser. No, we're not doing Back to the Future. <laughs> uh, but stay tuned. You're going to find out. Check us out on social media, and we're gonna you're going to find out there. Okay, uh, yeah. Okay, we'll see you guys soon. Bye now.